In this edition of the Buzz on Business, hear how an OSU alum went from playing football for Mike Gundy to starting a tech company in the world of finance with stops at the NFL and banking along the way. Listen in as Parker Graham tells podcast host Ryan Gabriel his best stories and top entrepreneurship advice. Welcome back to the Buzz on Business. My name is Ryan Gabriel, and today we have a very special guest. He's an OSU alum, played under the legendary Mike Gundy, a five-month NFL veteran and a successful entrepreneur. I'm really excited to welcome Parker Graham to the podcast. Parker, thank you for taking time out of your day to come talk to us about your life, uh, your journey, and your ventures. Awesome. Excited to be here, Ryan. Great to, uh, great to meet you and uh, excited to chat. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to start off first um, doing kind of a brief skim uh, or recap through your life, uh, your resume, talking about that, starting off from college all the way up till now. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a fun story. I don't know if we have a, enough time for everything in between. Um, but yeah, I lived a, a very interesting entrepreneurial life. Um, I didn't go to the entrepreneurial school or anything like that, but I was a business major um, and really just always had this affinity for personal finance. So when I got to the NFL, I saw just so many ups and downs of, of really what hyper wealth can do to people, right? I mean, just the fact of you get a lot of people that um, whether they had great influences when it comes to money or whether they didn't, you know, when you get handed a ton of money, just you can make some really bad decisions really quickly and get yourself into some some weird spots. So when I went and played in the NFL, had a great time, played for John Harbaugh, who, you know, himself is a legend um, over there in Baltimore and learned a lot. Um, but unfortunately I, I was about 320 pounds at the time and to get to stay on practice squad, they wanted me to be 340 and my body was already falling apart at that point. So I quickly realized that working in air conditioning, uh, in a building might be a little bit better, um, for my, uh, for my life than continuing football. So, um, basically moved on from there and went to, uh, to Tulsa and worked at bank of Oklahoma or BOKF and had an incredible um, jump start to my career there. I worked for a bunch of amazing managers, had a bunch of awesome colleagues and really cut my teeth in, in finance in general. Um, just the, it's funny, you know, going to the business school, you know, you have some financial classes, you have, you know, other classes and stuff, but I was really a marketing management major. Mm-hmm. And so I was sitting in a lot of those, in, in a lot of those um, meetings with folks that were high finance majors, right. Who were very, very intellectual and very smart. And I'm a good old country boy from the middle of nowhere, Missouri. <laughs> So it took me a long time to really get my acumen up. And I felt like I was, you know, watching Bloomberg 24 seven to try and, you know, learn bits and pieces about the market to have really good conversations. And, you know, fast forward a couple of years at BOK, um, I became a a high net worth wealth advisor, which I think it was like 24 or 25 at the time um, and was helping uh, very, very wealthy individuals make investment decisions. So it's just really interesting how like, you know, you can go from really not knowing a whole lot to knowing a, a, a good amount um, about that about that industry. And at that point, I, I really felt this calling to um, to really get back to my roots and start helping people um, with their own finances, not necessarily the high net worth people who were awesome. And I had a lot of great clients, uh, but I really felt this pool um, to start and really this purpose uh, starting to formulate around creating technology and really helping bridge this this financial literacy and really financial tool um, gap that we have out there for everyday folks, right? The everyday American folks that are making, you know, uh, however much, right? But really not earning probably more than a hundred thousand. There's just not a whole lot of tools out there for you. And so that was really where my entrepreneurial journey started um, and where I'm at today. So it's been, that was 
in 2018, when I left BOK and started um, what was Destiny at the time, which is now Fanata, um, where we help uh, banks and credit unions build technology that really speaks to the problems that their customers are facing and really allows them to increase engagement with those customers so that those customers come to the bank versus going to a financial app, which a lot of us do right now, um, to find the products and services that they need. Um, so that's a really high level overview. Happy to go into any piece of that. Um, it's been a fun journey, but uh, you know, for me, I feel like we're just getting started at Fanata. So it's, it's just the beginning scratching the surface. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. And congratulations on the success. Um, you've had quite the journey going from football to financial at uh, management at BOK and then now starting your own venture. Um, kind of looking back in your life, what was that moment or that aha moment that you're like, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life? Wow. That's a really good question, Ryan. Um, you know, for, for me, I, I'm a Christian. So my, my, my faith really um, was, I feel like really was the catalyst for everything. Right. Um, I was starting in my job and um, really felt like there was a, a wall that, that was kind of holding me back just because of my age. Um, and I felt like, you know what, there's, there's just too much bureaucratic red tape in a lot of corporate environments, not just be okay. Right. I mean, every corporate environment, when you're at a certain size, um, just has bureaucratic red tape. Maybe it's, you know, the, the fact that you're really young and you're trying to do new things, or maybe it's the fact that, you know, you're just in a, a highly regulated or highly regulated environment. They have to make really um, slow decisions because they want to protect themselves. Right. And I felt that, you know, that just probably wasn't the place for me. I wanted to move fast and break things as Mark Zuckerberg used to say. And um, with my mentality of being a former football player, you know, it's, it's not a necessarily, you know, you have to have all these roadblocks It's much more, you know, analyze, you know, what's happening and then go out there and compete and win. And so that was really the, the genesis of, of me wanting to, to do my own thing was I had this innate ability to want to fix problems and find problems and find the solution. And so actually before I left be okay, I spent about a year um, just reading every single entrepreneurial book that I could. Um, I knew that I wanted to do something. I didn't really know what it was at the time. Uh, so I just started reading, consuming podcasts. I mean, I, you know, again, I didn't have any entrepreneurship classes at OSU. Mm-hmm. So I had to, I was playing catch up the whole entire time. Like I felt like everybody else that was out there doing what I wanted to do was kind of in the, in the ninth inning. And I was on the first inning. I was on, I wasn't even on first base. Yeah. Um, so I basically just did this deep dive on everything I could possibly consume. And about a year later, I felt equipped enough Uh, to go out and try this personal financial management thing. I literally had no idea what I was doing. I walked away from a great career and great people. um, But I knew in my heart, and I knew kind of God's purpose for me was to really build technology that helped the masses, not helping the few. So that was probably the big, you know, aha moment in 2017, 2018, something like that, where it was like, all right, it's time to kind of put uh, put some ideas to to pen and paper and figure out what you're going to do. And I tell you what, what I'm doing now is nothing close to what we were doing before. Um, as every entrepreneur knows, you kind of, you step out there and you immediately figure out where the holes are in your business that you're trying to build and you pivot or you die. Right. Mm. Um, and so luckily, um, or blessed, you know, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, we've, we've made a couple of pivots and, and now this year for us is going to be our flagship year. So it's, it's worked out so far, knock on wood. Right. Yeah. And I remember when we were talking, uh, a couple of days ago, you mentioned this one phrase that really stuck with me about challenging the status quo. Can you talk about that and how that has uh, impacted your life? Yeah, I mean, Ryan, that's such a, a valuable piece of advice that I got 
um, early in my career, actually at BOK with one of my mentors, who's uh, still my mentor today. In 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 especially, you know, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this back a little bit and just kind of look at like the corporate world, right? The corporate world operates because individuals they come in, they believe in a business, and they do their job. They operate, right? Now, if you have these norms in your business practice, if you're, you know, you're doing stuff, that's the way we've always done it is like the number one phrase that anybody will hear in the corporate world. Don't rock the boat because, you know, don't break what's not or don't fix what's not broken, right? All those, all those goofy um, words out there. At the end of the day, that really stifles innovation. I mean, any business that's out there, if you're not, I, I have this phrase that I use, if you're not progressing, you're regressing, there literally is no middle, Right. If you go out to work today and you didn't progress the company in some form or fashion, that in and of itself means that the company regressed. Mm -hmm. And a lot of companies just don't have that mindset, you know? And so when I say, you know, challenging the status quo is like, listen, if you want to be successful, and this isn't just if you want to own a business, if you want to be successful in any realm or fashion, it is not by showing up to work and doing the absolute minimum, right? Exactly. And that's what most people will do. You'll notice when you go into your first couple of jobs and, you know, you, you, you know, you get a great education from Oklahoma state and then you go to your first job and you're like, what the heck are people doing here? Like they're just punching their time card and then going back home and watching Netflix and chilling or whatever. Right. For us and folks that, that want to be successful, you have to challenge the status quo, see what the, the roadblock is and burst through that roadblock. It might be the fact of like, Hey, you know, um, you know, I, this is one terrible example, so forgive me, but like, Hey, you know, we used a really antiquated software at my previous bank. And as opposed to like, and everybody complained about it, literally every person hated it, but no one wanted to go do the legwork to actually find a better solution. And in that instance right there, it's like, well, Hey, why don't we just go out there, get four or five quotes from a different company that does the exact same thing. There's software companies for everything out there, right? Let's find one that better fits us. And one of the reasons why we didn't do it at my previous company, and I hope my previous managers don't get mad at me for saying this, um, <laughs> is because it's what we've always used. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, who cares? Like, if it's gonna increase op, if it's gonna increase our efficiency by ten percent, and it's the same cost, why wouldn't we do it? Well, we don't want to train this. You know, you're gonna have to bring in somebody to train the staff. You're gonna have to bring in somebody to do this. You're gonna have to have new policies and procedures and all. It's like, dude, get out of here with that. And that's why. You know, I feel like our generation, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm, a, I'm a millennial, so I'll kind of just pull them in. I'm sure Gen Z will probably have the same problems from like a, uh, a negative perspective is, you know, a lot of us career hop because we're not satisfied with that old stodgy methodology. And I think it's actually a benefit to find your place, find a place where you can shine. And if it's not within the first couple of years, you need to go find that place where you're going to be able to challenge that status quo, because those are the places where you'll find like long term um, value. You'll feel good about what you're doing and you'll feel good about progressing in those roles. Yeah. I think something that's, that's really something that's really uncomfortable for a lot of people, but it's super important in it to be able to progress into the next level. So I completely agree with that mentality. It's, it's uncomfortable, Ryan. And that's why when you do find people that do it, they become SVPs, they become executives. Like that's, that's the big separator right there. Cause everybody gets, you know, like I mentioned the Netflix and chill thing, a lot of folks just want to go in, punch their clock, get home and be with their families. And that's awesome. Right. But if you want to be a successful person in business, unfortunately you have to go do more. And maybe that's, you. maybe you can just do more at work and that's awesome. Or maybe it's like, Hey, listen, I take a little bit home at night. And, you know, when my kids go to bed or my wife goes to sleep or whatever, you know, from 10 a.m. to midnight, I'm, I'm busting my butt doing that stuff. Right. 
So I'll kind of peel an onion layer back here um, about kind of my story. When I first started um, what was called Destiny at the time, uh, my first, like I mentioned, you know, reading a lot, right? I was reading and stuff like that. I was consuming a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of things. At the same time, about six months before I left, um, I was in, or maybe it was actually longer than that. Maybe it was eight months. Um, I was doing that. I was basically going to, I was getting up in the morning, working out, which is something that we should definitely talk talk about here for people who (laughs) need to hear that. Um, working out at five, going to the job from seven to, you know, seven to five, getting home, hanging with my, my wife and kids. And then when they went to bed, I worked from 9 PM to midnight for six months. And that was really a big piece of how I was able to leave just because I had done all that work. Right. Um, and now I'm getting off topic, but like, that's just something that's, you just have to go out there and you just have to do it. And you have to be willing, if you want those SVP titles, if you want that big time job, you got to be willing to go the extra mile and, and challenge that status quo. It all brings it back to that status quo, right? Kind of the next question I want to move on to was, um, you know, being with your journey, um, you've obviously met a lot of people and encountered a lot of um, interesting journeys along the way. What has been the biggest influence or who has been the biggest mentor in your life? Yeah, that's, that's such a great question. And I think we talked about this kind of offline, you know, I've been very blessed to be in rooms with people that, you know, you would think that I just, how did that guy get in those rooms? Um, I've been very blessed in that regard. Um, And honestly, just people, when you ask them for their time, you'd be amazed as to the level of person you can get to and the amount of experience that person has. And you'd also be, you'd also be impressed um, to just know what the person next to you has gone through, right? It's not just necessarily, you know, executives in a really big publicly traded company, but like John, who works in the cubicle next to you, there's just so many experiences that you can always pull from. Um, and I was really trying to wreck my brain hard around, you know, the, the one person that I would, that I would, you know, put out there. Um, but I really think I have three. Um, and so I'll kind of talk about them individually. Um, you know, first off, I mean, it's from like a, you know, not necessarily a mentor, but just like who I've tried to emulate my whole life is number one, my mom. Um, she is the most selfless person that I've ever met in my life. And good Lord, I really try to get there. Sometimes it's tough. Um, but this lady, and I don't know if, if any of you that's listening have heard my story, you will definitely see my mom in parallel just from the standpoint of like, she's literally the reason why I'm here today. Um, you know, she's a single mom in her mid thirties with three kids, went back to college to become a nurse, working two jobs, full-time student at, in her mid thirties. Like it's just, it's, it's insane to think about that. And basically working for, for, or going towards that degree for six years to finally get that degree. And by getting that degree completely transformed our life. I mean, we were living really, really poor before then. Um, and because of that decision that she made, I was then finally able to go to AAU basketball camps. My brother was able to go to AAU basketball camps. We increased our ability to get scouted from colleges. Literally, she is the reason, and my brother to an, to, to an additional um, uh, extent, she's the reason why I went to Oklahoma State. Because, because of that decision that she made, I was able to get scouted by Coach Wickline, who was my O-line coach then. I went to you know, a couple of football camps that you know Arkansas and Mizzou and KU and all these Big 12 schools were at where my little hometown, I probably wouldn't have gotten scouted, you know, without that. And you look at what happened at Oklahoma state, you know, I became an all, you know, all big 12 offensive lineman. I went and played the NFL. I did those things from one decision that she made 
in her, in her thirties. Right. So like, that's why for me, like she's definitely number one, um, just from like, you know, again, that, that, that figure that I'm trying to, to become, um, from a personal perspective. Um, and then, you know, from like a, from like a coaching perspective, um, I always think about, you know, who, who's those coaches that really impact you. And Joe Wickline is, is that guy. Um, so for those of you that don't know, Joe Wickline was the uh, offensive line coach for Oklahoma state from about 2003, I think, um, until about 2014, I think is how long his tenure was. And this guy was an absolute in, like maniac. I mean, just, just the, just the guy that like every coaching, um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen like varsity blues or anything, but like, he is the guy that's just going to tear you down till you think you're going to quit and then build you back up into a, a really outstanding player. And he did it time and time again. Now his coaching style doesn't work as well in this uh, current day and age, um, you know, for better or worse. Right. But I mean, he made men. And that's the one thing that I will always thank him for is that literally what he told me was that when you're, when I'm done with you, you will go into any environment and you will never feel inadequate and you will never feel like the job's too big for you because you played for me. And he is 100% correct in that. I mean, we go and we meet with billion dollar banks, you know, all the time. And I have, you have no anxiety because it's like, shoot, I played for Joe Wickline for five years. So there's just nothing that's going to be worse from like a mental, mental perspective and like just a draining perspective than that. Um, and then from like a, from like a business perspective, gosh, there's, there's honestly just too many to mention. Um, but you know, I think that if I had to name one, uh, man, it's just, it's so tough. You know, I've got like three in my mind right now. Um, I'll say that, you know, there's one in particular at BOK and I'll go, I'll go with Steve at BOK. Um, Steve Wyatt, uh, was actually my mentor, my first year at BOK, we got like matched in a matching program thing and just absolutely hit it off. Steve's actually a former Oklahoma state alum. He played tennis back in the eighties. So he's got that, that blue blood there, which is awesome. Um, but I mean, he's the, he's the guy that I can go to and bounce anything off of all my crazy ideas. And he's heard all of them. Um, he was really a big, um, a big aid in, in just giving me the confidence to be able to, to make that bet on myself. Um, and so I'll forever be grateful to him. I, I kind of give him a hard time. I tell him he's my dad. So every time I talk to him, you know, it's uh, we always have a good time and, and very keen spirit. So definitely shout out, Steve. I'll be calling you. Um, if you're listening to this, I'll be calling you soon for our next monthly get together. So awesome. No, it's really amazing to hear that uh, you've encountered so many incredible people. Um, one thing I did want to touch on really quick before I move on to the next question is I remember we were talking kind of um, offline that um, you had a particular story with T. Boone Pickens. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, I've got two, actually, now that I've been sitting and thinking about it. So I'll run through those. Um, T. Boone was one of the most extraordinary. And I think anybody that you talk to, just extraordinary, just his 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 ability to taking information and make decisions was just, it was, it was so incredible. So I had the fortunate, or I was fortunate enough to my first day, I think it was on, it wasn't, I don't know if it was on campus or my first, like, yeah, it must've been my first day on campus. My roommate and I, Brandon Webb, we, we uh, went to the stadium for our first like team dinner as Oklahoma state Cowboys. And we are on the elevator in, in the West end zone going up and we come off and Boone Pickens and Mike Holder are there. So it was my first time meeting Coach Holder, but Boone 
like my and so my roommate was like this five-star all-american u.s army all-american like brandon webb wow. you can look him up he was he was freaking awesome as like that's like a freshman who's benching like 400 pounds like he's just he's <laughs> an anomaly right um awesome guy and uh, one of my friends to this day and and boone was basically like yeah you know hey brandon he, he we didn't introduce ourselves he knew who we were and this guy is you know i'm a two-star no one from middle of nowhere missouri and you know boone's rattling off brandon stats u.s army all-american da, 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 all this cool stuff and he turns to me and he's like parker graham web city high school um two-time all-state or like oh yeah i'm so glad that you're here i can't wait for you to become what you're supposed to become and like wow. I was just floored that he even knew who I was. Right. Like that was awesome. And, you know, he looms so large, he, you know, he, he did loom so large over the program my entire time there. And every time he was there, just loved to be around us. And it was a really cool experience to the point where when I left my company, when I left BOK and started um, Fanata, uh, I went down there to meet with him and just kind of, you know, pick his brain and, you know, just, just honestly, just, just meet with him in that, in that arena. Right. Like, Hey, you know, I was a football player and I'm a businessman. I would just love to learn from you kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And you'd be surprised. Literally. I, I messaged, I can't remember who I messaged. I think I messaged Sally. Who's a really great friend of mine today. Um, Sally was his assistant at the time or the, the, the scheduler at the time and um, literally called him up on the phone I got off, that was what it was. I called them on like the, the Google phone that I found on Google, like just on, just on there. I said, Hey, this is Parker. This is who I am. I just really wanted to meet with Boone. I've got a new business. Would love his feedback. That's it. And she's like, yeah, can you come next Tuesday? I was like, what? <laughs> this guy's a bajillionaire. And like, it was this easy. And that's where it kind of like to bring it back to what I was mentioning, you'll be surprised when you put yourself out there, who will respond to you, right? Mm -hmm. Who will like, take a, take a shot at listening to what you have to say. Now you better be prepared to get in that room because you, you know, you could really embarrass yourself. Right. So we get in this room and it's crazy. My co-founder at the time, Jerry and I, we walk into this conference room and it's just this beautiful, huge table and all these things from oil, oil and gas stuffs all over the wall. And Boone walks in with his crew and it's like him, his assistant, two of his executives and like a third person. I can't remember their names to, off the top of my head, but um, and we just start talking he's asking questions and like poking holes in what I'm building. And we just had, we probably had an hour and a half long meeting. I'm like, this guy took a random call from an old football player to let me come in and to chat with him. And there's a picture that I actually have of him and I, cause I, I have a really hard time hearing. And so he was sitting right next to me and I was like, Hey, being like, I, I just can't hear you very well. And he's like, well, come here. And so I sat, there's a picture of us sitting really, really close together. And he's just, he's just talking in my ear just telling me like all these little tidbits about, you know, the banks in the Dallas area and like how I can kind of really get in with a couple of them and like just that kind of stuff. And um, one of my favorite memories about building this business was getting to go and, and see him. And that was before he had had his last fall. So he was still, he was still really active and really there and everything. And I, I you know, obviously at the end, you know, he, he passed away, which is super sad, um, but forever, forever grateful um, that he let me go do that. And because of those kind of things, you know, anybody who ever calls me, I always, I always make time. Like, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. It doesn't matter how busy I am um, because that guy paid it forward and showed me that that's really important to do. So, yeah. yeah, that's an incredible story. I'm jealous for sure that you got to meet him. One thing we like to do uh, on this podcast is a lightning round questions. These questions you don't know, uh, very fast, 60 seconds, uh, whatever pops your head, that's your answer. So are you ready? I'll try to keep my answers quick and simple. Perfect. Awesome. Are you a beach guy or a mountain guy? 
beach. Well, so I'm a water guy, so not necessarily the beach. I'd pick a lake over a beach, but definitely water for sure. Okay. I think I, I can understand that one. Yep. What is your favorite burger place? Whataburger, hands down. And it sucks because we don't have one in Kansas City, but we're about to get our first one in Overland Park because of Patty Mahomes. So thank you, Patty Mahomes. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, what would be another position that you would want to play in football? Tied in, hands down, dude. That's super easy. <laughs> I wanted to be Rob Gronkowski, but unfortunately my 40 was like a 5'3", so that wasn't happening. It happens. What is your choice of team in the NFL if you could play for anybody? Uh, so the Chiefs, for sure. I grew up a huge Chiefs fan. Still love going to those games and stuff. Um, you know, I didn't really have a – had an opportunity to go play with them and didn't really want to just from I – was, I was done playing. Um, and don't really look at stuff like that. Now, basketball, though, like that's actually the thing that I wish I could go back and redo. Like I would have loved to have played basketball at like a D2 or a D1 school somewhere for sure. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite place to travel? Ooh, um, I want to go to Europe. Haven't been there, but I want to go there. Um, really the only place I've been like destination for travel is like Mexico. It's like the beach. Right. So, um, if I had to pick though, it'd be Northwest Arkansas, Beaver Lake out there. In Northwest Arkansas is my like absolute favorite place to go visit. Awesome. Last one. What is your favorite music to work out to? Um, so actually, uh, man, like, 2000s hip hop probably is like number one, followed by like classic heavy metal. So like Metallica, you know, Megadeth, some of those groups. Um, and actually, I listen to a lot of podcasts, probably more than anything. So like that's where I get my podcasts in. Um, so, yeah, that'd probably be like number one would just be random podcasts I listen to. Awesome. I'm about the same on that. So I completely agree with that. Yeah. Um, well, Parker, I really appreciate you coming on this podcast today. It's been a wonderful conversation. Um, You've done amazing things, and I'm really excited to see what you have in the future. Uh, how can people keep in touch with you and uh, see what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I'm on all the, the social media channels for sure. So my handle for pretty much everything is uh, Parker C.M. Graham um, on everything. Uh, usually I'm pretty active on, on LinkedIn if you want to, like, see what a dad life is like. Like, my Instagram is <laughs> really, like, my quote-unquote dad life uh, filter. Um, but definitely professionally, like, LinkedIn. And for anybody who you know, is either trying to build a business or thinking about building a business or is in a business, or if just wants to chat about like, whatever, um, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I really try to make time for everybody. And if I can't, I'll be very blunt with you and say, Hey, I can't right now, but I can do this later. Um, and paying it forward for me. And I know a bunch of different entrepreneurs. That's like our favorite thing that we get to do, um, is help others. So don't be afraid to reach out, reach out to me, reach out to anybody. Mark Cuban has an open email on Google. So why can't I, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, that's for sure. And again, Ryan, thank you so much, man. You did a great job. You said this was your first time, but man, it was, it was very, very polished. So congrats and, uh, looking forward to seeing it, um, online. Thank you so much for um, listening to another episode on Buzz on Business. Give us a follow on OSU Entrepreneurship and Spears Business OSU.